I was aware of, of the magnitude of the moment. It had been talked about all week locally, you know, the newspapers. But I, I think as a player, um, I, I just tried, I tried to block it out. It's early December 2006, and LaDainia Tomlinson is one of the best football players on the planet. His Chargers are 10-2 and, and looking to grab the best record in pro football. Tomlinson himself entered this Week 14 matchup with a record of his own in sight. Sean Alexander's NFL record of 28 total touchdowns in a single season. You know, I, I actually, to be honest, I didn't know if it would happen that day. I, I really didn't know because I knew Denver had a really good defense, and they knew, well, we knew, that we were going to try to get that record. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so um, I, I tried to block it out in terms of they're going to play hard today. It's going to be a rough day. And, and I know that. So those were my expectations. But as the game evolved, you know, um, I think it was it was clear that something was building. The future league MVP was correct. And whether he was ready or not, LaDainian Tomlinson was on the verge of running for history. In the 2000s, the letters LT were synonymous with touchdowns. The premier running back of the decade, LaDainian Tomlinson frequently made defenders look foolish as he put up video game-like numbers year in and year out. He was the face of the Chargers, the heart of San Diego, and became a legend who transcended Southern California football. But in 2006, LT was on a different level, notching a record-breaking 31 total scores, over 2,300 all-purpose yards, and earning the NFL's Walter Payton Man of the Year Award and, of course, league MVP. Over the course of the next six episodes, our series will show you exactly how Tomlinson got there. From his youth, watching his idols Walter Payton and Emmett Smith play the position, to record-breaking performances at TCU, to his dominance in Southern California. Chargers fans have been witnesses to history and everything in between. But first, we have to go back to where it all began. For Haley Elwood, I'm Chris Harey. This is Running for History, presented by Lazy Dog. San Diego Chargers select LaDainian Tomlinson. LaDainian Tomlinson, one step closer to football immortality. And the handoff to Tomlinson, and he will gallop into the end zone. Charger fans are witnesses to history. Episode 1, Built by Texas. Hey everybody, have you checked out the TV dinners over at Lazy Dog yet? They're great for those days where you just don't feel like cooking. They're made in-house, frozen in retro-style trays, and ready to pop in the oven whenever you need them. One of my favorites, the chicken pot pie. It's filled with slow-roasted hand-shredded chicken breast, seasonal vegetables, and a pie dough crust. And now for the fall, they've got a new oven-roasted turkey dinner. I'm talking turkey, gravy, and all the trimmings. It's even got a salted caramel pumpkin cheesecake with graham cracker crumble for dessert. Get them at Lazy Dog for pickup or delivery, and you can check it out at LazyDogRestaurants.com. Born in small town Rosebud, Texas, LaDainia Tomlinson learned about hard work at a young age. As a child, um, your parents really set the, I guess, the pace and kind of the tempo of, of what it means to work uh, and how you get things done and how to provide and just what, what responsibility is all about. Tomlinson's mother, Lori Ann, sometimes worked two to three jobs to support her family. When he, he saw me, as well as the other two saw me working, that instilled in them that this is what adults do. 
I felt like I knew the value of hard work. And she would always say to me, hard work pays off. Now that Tomlinson had a model of what work ethic looks like, it was time to find an outlet worth being great at. You know, uh, to be honest with you, he was he was an amazing young man, even back then, you know. He asked us, he, me and his dad, to buy him weights when he was six years old. I mean, the, the weights, you know? And, and so I'm, I'm thinking, okay, where do you get that from? But it was always in the neighborhood, pitching footballs, playing baseball. You know, he'd go find a game. You know, I played everything as a kid. I first started with baseball. Baseball was the first sport I, I played because I think T-ball at that time started be like five years old when you play t-ball so i started you know playing t-ball first and then i went into playing basketball um at the boys and girls club where i, I grew up and obviously that led to me finally having a chance to play tackle football but before that i did play flag football for the boys and girls club that was kind of my introduction to football because i wasn't old enough to tackle and when he finally did get to put the pads on. I mean, that, that was the moment. Because as most people will tell you, most guys who play football, there's going to come that moment where when it's time to get tackled, you're going to either say, uh, no, this is not for me. Or, okay, I think I, can, I think I can do this. And that moment happened for me early, uh, you know, the first time I put on those pads in practice. And we had one drill where we had to, you know, basically... Uh, there was the defender and the ball carrier, and you went up against each other, and, that, and the ball carrier tried to break the tackle of the defender, and vice versa. Obviously, the defender tried to tackle the ball carrier. And so having, you know, that time where I really got, I got nailed as a kid, you know, my older kid, I had that moment of truth. Is this what I want to do? And I, crazy enough, I said, you know what? That wasn't so bad. I think I can stick this out. Now he'd get out there sometimes, mix it up with the kids. But if all the kids came around, like my daughter was seven years older than he was, if her boyfriend or friends came around, I bet you I can beat you running down to the to the end of the road. I bet you you can't beat me this. You can't beat me. <laughs> so he was always competitive like that. Football on television, for one. I mean, I, you know, I was the kid that watched everything, but so, there was something about football that, that drew me to football. But his love for the game wouldn't be enough. Using the work ethic his mother instilled in him growing up, the young Tomlinson still had to learn how to become great. I had a really good Pop Warner coach that really taught discipline and hard work. And I mean, when we went out to practice, even at Pop Warner, remember growing up in Texas, it was hot, you know, it was 100 degrees. And so there was no excuses. There was no, uh, you know, hey, it's too hot out here, coach, can I take a break? I had a tough, you know, little league coach and he kind of set, I guess, the, the structure of, of what it meant to work hard on the football field to accomplish something and, and get a goal set. It was clear Tomlinson was growing into his newfound passion, but even at a young age, he had a perspective that would help him grow as an athlete, not just a football player. I always felt like it was important to play other sports um, because football, obviously, at that time, you know, it really wasn't year-round. You know, you played football for three months, and then you were off. And so I wanted to fine-tune my skills by playing basketball. 
baseball, even running track, because I ultimately I knew ultimately it would help me out in football. Tomlinson believed that focusing on his athletic career would put him on track to become a star running back, like the legends he grew up idolizing. When I think about it, they were the ones getting the ball back then. <laughs> you know, they, they got the ball a lot. And so you always saw those guys on TV carrying the football. And, you know, uh, you know, as a kid, when you see that, and then they make it look so effortless and look like it's glorious and fun. Walter Payton was his man, Sweetness. He even named his dog after Sweetness. <laughs> but yeah, he wanted to play with the, he, he told me, I, I don't even know if he was, what, 10 years old, 11, something like that. He, I, he wasn't a teenager yet. He said, I'm going, I'm going to play professional football. You know, the high stepping, when he took guys on in the hole and he would bounce out of the tackle and run it straight up and then he's running an open field, he's galloping. Like, it was so beautiful to, to watch as a kid. But local hero Emmett Smith, the star with the star on his helmet, was the one to capture Tomlinson's heart. He was obviously playing for my home, t- my home state team. You know, basically my hometown team who we cheered for. Everybody cheered for the Cowboys. And so you always saw all the news stories, you know, on the local news. It was all about the Cowboys. And so I followed Emmett very closely to the fact that I got a chance to meet him for the first time when I was 12 years old. And and that, that really changed my life as well. After successfully pleading with his mom to go to a football camp put on by Cowboys tight end Jay Novacek, Tomlinson wasn't sure if he would get to meet his idol. He got something much better than that. You know, as a kid, like when you're getting ready to meet your idol or, or think you're going to see your idol, like you think of all all kinds of things that's going to go wrong, everything that could go wrong. Like, I bet you he, he's really not going to be there. You know, like you think of everything in your head. And then when you get there, and I remember the first time actually laying eyes on him, you know, I, I was just starstruck in terms of it's really him. Like this is the, and, and remember, this is the first time as a kid that I got the chance to, to meet or see my idol, you know, in person. Like that, that was unheard of for most kids. And um, having that first interaction with him, I just thought it was like how ironic that he jumps in the, the running back drill and he's handing the ball off to me. Like, how ironic is that? Like, this can't be happening to me. Um, but beyond that, I think just the conversation, the affirmation from him and himself after the camp was over, he coming up to me, putting his arms around me and said, hey kid, you, you have something special. You know, if you keep going, you know, keep your grades up, keep playing, you know, you're, you're gonna be something. And he was so excited. And that's the one thing that parents just want to see, a smile on their kid's face and them be excited. But he worked for it, though. I was in, uh, you know, a difficult place at that time um, in terms of I had have, I have broken my foot. You know, I, I went from being, like, the best athlete on my team, as, you know, as a kid around 10, 11 years old, um, to breaking my foot to being one of the worst, like, sitting the bench at that time where I didn't even really play. And so I lost my confidence a lot. I didn't believe I was good in football anymore. And going to that camp and, and having that moment, uh, it, it really boosted my confidence and, and really 
inspired me, I should say, inspired me to, to continue to work hard, to do everything that, that I can do possible to make it to college. I think that was the moment where I felt like, you know what, I, I'm gonna have a chance to, to do it because Emmett, Emmett himself said so. Um, but then I, as I went back home, that's when you know I felt the work started. I learned some things at that camp um, that I was able to take back home and apply and, and really helped me evolve into the player I will ultimately become. But things didn't go exactly how he planned. Tomlinson wasn't the only kid dreaming of being the next Emmett Smith or Walter Payton. And by the time he reached high school, other kids were starting ahead of him at running back. Tomlinson had to find another way to get on the field, as his high school coach Leroy Coleman remembers. When the Danian came to us, uh, uh, he started playing, you know, when he first got there. And uh, we, we played him at outside linebacker and played him at fullback. And, of course, uh, at that time, both our backs carried the ball, and he was sensational. You know, with linebacker, it's, it's all about see ball, get ball, attacking, you know. And, and that's what they did with me on defense. You know, I would just run and, and, and get the ball. And sometimes line up on the end of the line of scrimmage and go get the quarterback because I was fast and one no tackle going to be able to get out there um, and, and, and get me. You know, he knew how to uh, decipher different looks, different techniques, different styles. And I think that using that when he got on the other side of the ball, helping to be able to approach those things a little bit better. I hung around a lot of defensive players. I, you know, that was kind of my best friends, linebackers, safeties, and and the reason why I did that, because I wanted to get inside their mind. I wanted to know how they thought, because if I know how they thought, then I can beat them, you know? And so it was just kind of that, that psychological thing of getting to know how they think so that I can use that against them. And linebackers, they were always aggressive. You know, they want to go right away. They want to hit right away. And so as a runner, I can outsmart them a lot of times because they're so aggressive and that's the times where I need to be somewhat passive um, and use my agility against their aggressiveness. Tomlinson understood the sacrifices needed to reach his goals, what he needed to do to achieve greatness. He was always one of the first one into the field house, one of the last one to leave. To leave. And uh, he really uh, had a lot of character about him because he, he showed what example. When he was on that field, he worked as hard as he could maybe even too hard, according to his high school coach. He put more pressure on himself than I think he needed to because he really, really wanted to attain the goals that he had set out. And so a lot of times we would call him in and we would just talk to him and say, be patient, it's going to work out for you. I know you might not feel like it right now, but just be patient. Coach was right. By his senior year, the patience paid off and Tomlinson had finally earned the starting running back position at University High. That is, until his mother announced she was moving to the Dallas-Fort Worth area for a new job. I, I, I seen on her face at that time when we had that conversation about moving to Dallas, uh, how much it hurt her, you know, that she was going to take me away from what she felt like was a great opportunity, obviously, for me going into my senior year. Tomlinson poured his heart out to his mother. He was always my, my uh, easiest child, I'll say it like that. 
So all you can do is get behind what he believed in. And he believed in what he told us. And so we believed in him. Please trust me, you know, that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a young man now, you know, I'm a young man and I'm ready to take responsibility for my life because this is what I want. And she looked at me and the trust that she had in me meant everything to me. Tomlinson made a deal with his mom to stay in Waco with a family friend so that he could chase his dreams. It was just, it was a hard thing for me. Really, really hard thing. And she was trusting me that I was going to do the right things off the field. She knew I would do the right things on the field. She was trusting me that I would do the right things off the field while she was away. Like I told him, I, I know that you you will represent this family. You always have. And your dad gave you a good name, and I know you'll keep it. But being physically away from his family wouldn't break their bond. Uh, his mother would, and, and brother, they all would come down and watch him play. Every Friday, every Friday, and when they went into the playoffs, we would come wherever they were playing, Austin, uh, St. Marcus, wherever they played, we would come, we, we never missed a game. <laughs> so he had a remarkable family that really helped him. Leroy Coleman has coached high school football for half a century, 50 plus years. And what happened at the start of Tomlinson's senior year is something that he would never forget. I can remember the first game he played in down in Austin at Austin LBJ. He scored six times in that game. And so that was remarkable. That's right. Six touchdowns in his first game as starting running back. Tomlinson had finally earned the top job he coveted, and he sure wasn't going to give it up. It was uh, an incredible day. And when you have six touchdowns and some very long runs, you know, 80-yard runs and 70-yard runs, you know, that can, that can bring you to exhaustion, obviously. On his final score of the day, Tomlinson fell over in exhaustion. You could just see his old brother Billy just going up and down and he, and I, and I said, hey, don't worry, don't worry. We got some more for you. So we put him back in there for another play or two and then uh, we got him out. I was not celebrating at all. I could not walk after that. I, I mean, that was, that was a time where I left it all out there, you know, and my coach actually came, ran out there to pick me up. And I think you're right. He was running out there to, to try to stop. What are you doing? Stop celebrating. But he saw me laying down exhausted. And, you know, he picked me up, carried me back to the sideline. It, it, it was really a great day. Great energy. Everybody was motivated. They were excited for him. In fact, uh, that think they carried him off the field after the game was over. He was so exhausted. It wouldn't be the last time LT would be carried off the field either. It was a performance Coach Coleman had never seen before. Never, never. <laughs> Haven't since I've been coaching. <laughs> Tomlinson finished his senior season at University High with a staggering 2,554 yards and 39 touchdowns, making him one of the best backs in Texas. He was the kind of back that he could run over you if he needed to, or he could run around you if he had to. He was not, he had great skill, great uh, lateral movement, and the big thing that he had about him was vision. He could really see. Tomlinson was also the kind of kid who would come home with pleasure to have in class, written on his report card. Oh, he had great character. You could hear the teachers talk about it all the time up in the classroom, you know, and in the halls. Uh, his leadership was not only on the football field, but it was in the classroom because they didn't have any problems for from him. 
And yet, with all of that going for him, top colleges in the state still didn't view Tomlinson as their next star running back. Because of his size at that time, uh, most of the, the, the uh, college teams were recruiting the big, tall uh, running back with a lot of weight and that type of thing. But uh, Ladanian had those intangibles that some of those guys didn't have. And so when uh, TCU came according him and tried to recruit him, uh, you know, he jumped on that right away. I felt the sense of the loyalty from TCU that, man, they were committed to me. They were the first university to offer me. They were the first university to really um, set out a plan for how they thought my career could go in terms of coming in, playing right away, you know, switching in and out with another guy and then eventually becoming a guy. I mean, they laid the plan out. Um, so they had a great plan for me. And attending TCU gave Tomlinson an opportunity to stay close to the most important person in his life. You know, my mom was in the Metroplex and it was important to me for my mom to see me play. I wanted I wanted her to have, you know, access to being able to, to see me play every weekend if we played at home, if she could. And then the other thing was, you know, being able to to go home sometimes, being able to just go see her and being close to her if she needed something. I was there to be able to, to provide it. Hey everybody, have you checked out the TV dinners over at Lazy Dog yet? They're great for those days where you just don't feel like cooking. You just pop them in the oven and you're done. One of my favorites, the chicken pot pie. It's filled with slow roasted hand shredded chicken breast and seasonal vegetables and a pie dough crust. And now for the fall, they've got a new oven-roasted turkey dinner. I'm talking turkey with gravy and all the trimmings. It's even got a pumpkin cheesecake dessert. Get them at Lazy Dog for pickup or delivery, and you can check it out at LazyDogRestaurants.com. The recruiting process also gave Tomlinson the opportunity to meet the guy who would play an instrumental role in TCU's plans for him. His future running mate and partner in crime, 1994 recruit Basil Mitchell. I was his host. I hosted LT on his on his visit. So, uh, and and there was another uh, running back who was actually more highly touted than LT, and they both came on the same weekend. You may his name was Joe Walker. He ended up playing cornerback for Tennessee, and uh, he went to Nebraska. He ended up going to Nebraska. But I hosted those two guys that night knowing that we wanted those two running backs. And um, my goal was try to convince them to get there. You know, he had a, a strange way of, of motivating you at the same time, challenging you. Um, and and honestly, you know, he came he came off at first, you know, when I first, on, on my visit, as a bit of a jerk, you know. And he was part of the reason why I wanted to really go there because he, this is what he told me. We sit on the couch at the party, man, and we talk football, man. We just talk. And I got a good feeling about it. And he looks at me and another running back that's on the visit. And he said, hey, you know, you guys can come here if you want, but you're going to sit the bench until I'm done. You know, and I was thinking like, man, this dude is okay. He, he, he's bold for telling us that. But LT recognized Basil's competitive streak in himself. Tomlinson already began to envision how he may fit into TCU's plans. I asked him, I said, man, what are you thinking? I asked Joe, he's like, I ain't coming to TCU. He already knew he was going, he's like, I'm, I'm going to Nebraska. And LT said, I'm coming here. 
No, he, he just got a good feeling. I got a good feeling from him. You know, Basil was a guy that was easy to talk to. You know, he really shared information with you. He wasn't a guy that was jealous, you know, of, of your talent. He believed in his own talent. And that was just the beginning of a lifelong friendship. Mitchell served as a role model that LT could watch and learn from. Seeing him go through some of the ups and downs as well, playing the running back position, being injured sometimes, you know, having to fight for your position um, early on in his career, it really gave me a, a, a newfound respect uh, for Basil. LT was in a all-star game, a high school all-star game that they played at Amon G. Carter at TCU. So I was around him there. That was the, that was when you may have heard it. Drew Brees was the quarterback on the team LT was on. The first time I met him was at that All-Star game. And ironically, we just kind of, I guess, we just kind of hit it off. I mean, we ate together. We, you know, we just kind of, after practice, we would walk back to the dorms together. Um, and I, I think, I think the reason why is because we both felt slighted. Yet we were on the, we were on the All-State team. You know, he was the All-State quarterback that year. I was the All-State running back. But yet, no big uh, Texas colleges offered us scholarships, not the University of Texas, Texas a &M, you know, and so we felt slighted a little bit about, you know, how, how we were, I guess, uh, dismissed during the, uh, you know, recruiting process. And I remember Drew, the, just kind of the, I would say the knowledge he had at that time as a high school player in terms of the game and his understanding for defenses, even at that time, being able to throw the football, I knew that this guy would go to Purdue and have an outstanding career. But that wasn't the only bonding moment that Tomlinson shared with a future teammate. You know, so they used our locker rooms. They were there that week. And, you know, I would give him pointers and talk to him. And, and uh, at, but that was the day that I watched him play in that game. I said, man, this kid, this kid's good. This kid is going to be a really good football player. Tomlinson was beginning to earn Mitchell's respect, but the TCU football program was still searching for some respect of its own. While Tomlinson finished his freshman year with nearly 650 yards of total offense and six scores, his team started the season 0-10. But at that time, you know, we were a bit undisciplined. We weren't a team. We didn't play together. But I think as the season progressed, I saw the growth in our team. Going into the final game of the season against rival SMU, TCU was at risk of going winless for the first time in over 20 years. I remember that night, man, we played our best game, and it really taught me a lot about the fact that it's not going to always go your way, but you keep battling. You keep believing no matter what. Coming from what he did in high school, and then he come to college thinking that he's gonna change everything like overnight. It didn't happen and I know his feelings hurt. So the talk that we had was, you know, just keep your head up. You're doing your job and eventually it's gonna happen. After a one in 10 season, head coach Pat Sullivan was replaced with former New Mexico head coach, Dennis Francione. With a new coach comes a new culture. Taking onus of your own job, doing your job, um, sort of speak. Um, and then a structure and a discipline of this is the way it's going to be. This is how we play. This is how we do things. By this point, Mitchell was a senior and not going to let his last chance slip away. New system, 
new enthusiasm and last opportunity. And my, my, the class of guys that I had with me, my, my, that was our senior year, man. And we, we made a pack. After that one in 10 season, my group said, man, there's no way we're going out like that our senior year. And the one thing that I remember uh, about Coach Francione is he, he believed in preparation. You know, he would go over and over um, in, in meetings, video meetings about testing us. And so the young guys were supporting, they were playing their role, and it just all worked. And man, and, and, and Fran came in with, with, with a great system. We were always well prepared and we, we wanted it. You know, and as a young person, learning that structure of how to prepare, what it takes to win, you know, the preparation that it takes to win, the discipline that you gotta have to win, as you start to see it um, take place, and obviously you start to see it be successful, then you start to adopt those qualities like, okay, this is this is how this is how you win. These are the things, this is the magic recipe, right? This is the this is the formula to winning. As Tomlinson learned how to be a winner at the next level, he inspired others, even his mentor Basil, to play at their best. LT became the starter before my senior year, based on his work in the offseason. Um and then, but, but so, so that pushed me. I said, man, I gotta, I gotta change what I'm doing. So I went to the uh, strength coach and me and the strength coach worked out a different program for me. And offensive tackle David Bobo remembers how Mitchell showed Tomlinson the ropes. Basil taught him every little trick that he knew. And whether that was, you know, just the knowledge that Basil was carrying in or how, to, how he ran the football, um, Whatever it was, he gave it to LT. Coach want, Coach recognized that we were the the best two backs that we had on the team. We were the best two backs that we had on the team. And his goal was to get us both on the field at the same time. That that, that, that was what Coach was trying to do. And um, LT is a bigger guy than me. I'm fat, I was faster, more shifty, and I was, you know, at the time I was a better receiver out of the backfield. LT was bigger, and he played fullback in high school. So they moved LT to fullback. It's a decision that Coach Francione looks at a little differently all these years later. Yeah, that was one of my weaker moments when, as a coach. Well, I wanted to get him and Basil on the field at the same time. And uh, his body was a little bit more closer to, to being fullback size. And we weren't going to make him a blocker, um, but we just wanted to utilize him maybe in split backs on the field at the same time and when we were in the eye. He felt like he was the better tailback. He felt like he should have been starting. I, I, uh, I put it back on them. I said, okay, I don't care who's in the game. I'm not going to call plays any differently. Uh, and so you guys... You regulate your playing time. You manage it. You decide who's in. Once again, Francione found a way to test his players. This time they passed. Those two are awesome. They'd wave each other back into the game. You know, one of them would be out there and sacrifice playing because they knew the other one was in rhythm. I intentionally, a lot of times, tapped out because I wanted him to be on the field because I knew how hard he worked. The one-two punch of Basil and LT turned into a devastating rushing attack. And then, then it got to the then it got to the point where coaches didn't care who was in the game because when LT got his shot, he he was he was being LT, 
And we made, I would always start the game. And if I was hot, I would stay. If I came in and was struggling, I would let LT come in. LT, if he found me, if it was his game, he just had a, he just, he was just on point. I'd let him stay. And we, that's, that's how it became on my senior year. The entire time, the two continued to support each other, whether it was on the field, the sidelines, or before a game. We were just walking onto the field. And LT looks at me and said, man, you look good, man. He said, you look ready. You know, I'm like, I was clean, the uniform. He's like, guns were blazed. He's like, man, you look good, B. You, you, you got it. So it was, it was just always love, man. The duo combined for over 1,800 rushing yards and 14 scores, helping the Horned Frogs to a 7-5 record. TCU would go on to defeat Carson Palmer and the USC Trojans 28-19 behind a career day from Basil Mitchell. The victory would be the Horned Frogs' first bowl win in over 40 years. TCU had improved six wins in one season behind one of the best rushing attacks in college football. But now, that was over. Basil Mitchell had graduated. He was on to the Green Bay Packers as an undrafted free agent. So LT, he had the backfield and the responsibility all to himself. But was he ready for it? Basil certainly believes so. Yeah, my brother was in town. He came to visit me. So we went over to LT's and we were just, uh, we were playing dominoes and talking. And, and they went back. L LT and, and uh, my brother went to his room, went to, went to uh, LT's room. And, and he saw all the pictures of, uh, but like, he had Emmett Smith on the wall, he had Walter Payne, he had all his favorite running backs. And my brother was like, man, he said, LT, man, you, he said, man, you, you, you really want to be a good football player. And he said, uh, he looked at him and said, no, he said, I want to be the best player ever. So on our way home, my brother was like, hey, he said, man, listen, he said, man, LT, he said, watch him next year. He said, he's gonna, he's, man, watch, just watch what he does because he said, the look in his eyes when he told me that he was gonna be the best ever, my brother said, I believe. Said, just, just the way he told me. He said, I believe him. He said, watch LT this year. And that was, that was my senior. I was already in Green Bay. So it was coming up. Yeah, so this was LT's first year starting at TCU. Hey, everybody, have you checked out the TV dinners over at Lazy Dog yet? They're great for those days where you just don't feel like cooking. You just pop them in the oven and you're done. One of my favorites, the chicken pot pie. It's filled with slow roasted hand shredded chicken breast and seasonal vegetables and a pie dough crust. And now for the fall, they've got a new oven roasted turkey dinner. I'm talking turkey with gravy and all the trimmings. It's even got a pumpkin cheesecake dessert. Get them at Lazy Dog for pickup or delivery. And you can check it out at LazyDogRestaurants.com. In 1999, the feature halfback role was LT's for the taking. Coach Francioni remembers it was an opportunity Tomlinson did not take lightly. It wasn't so much, I'm the guy, I'm going to kick it into the second gear. It was, I'm going to have more carries. I'm going to have to be in great shape to, to handle the, the hits and the contact uh, that I'm going to take this year. And Coach Francioni helped me deal with success. Um, that I was having at the college level. And I think that was vital because it carried me into obviously the next level, being able to handle success. And success doesn't get much bigger than breaking the all-time record for rushing yards in a single game. He had an outstanding day. It was two good teams. We were playing for the conference championship. UTEP had a fine ball club. And, um, you know, 
we both had trouble uh, slowing the other one down. As Bobo recalls, UTEP came to play. It started out and it was, it was a very close game. You know, I think they were ahead um, in that first quarter uh, when we rolled out. Uh, I think we'd had a few yards, had a few problems. Um, when we hit halftime, we were tied. 17 to 17. Even with over 100 rushing yards in the first half, Tomlinson was not feeling his best going into the break. It started out not so good. I mean, I was having an okay day the first half, but I had a, a critical fumble um, right before halftime. And, and my running backs coach chewed me out. Coach Schultz chewed me out. Um, you know, at halftime, like, take care of the ball. You know, like, you're going to be on the sideline if you can't take care of the ball better. We, we, we need to, you know, do a better job at this. And so I remember going back out after halftime, you know, kind of ticked off about the way I played the first half. It was something that we were actively doing to win the game. And when it rolled into the third quarter and we realized, you know, we're kind of on pace to get a record, but we're also still trying to win this game. You know, the starters are still out there. The first defense is still out there. Um, this could happen, you know, and, and there were grumblings on the sidelines, but nobody was really, you know, it's kind of like a no hitter. Nobody's really going to say anything. Nobody really wanted to put it out there. In the third quarter, Tomlinson scored back to back on 70 and 63 yard runs. He was in the zone. I felt like everybody on the defensive side of the ball were moving so slow, you know, that day, like, I was moving at a different speed and the holes were huge and I just felt unstoppable. It took most of the game, but the Horn Frogs were finally able to grab a comfortable lead in the fourth quarter. Probably four minutes left and I had my last run and I went out the game. And as I went out, coach said, Elsie, do you know you're within this many yards of the all-time single game rushing record? He said, go back in there. And so I went back in and I think I had like a five-yard game, and it put me over. But even after breaking the record, there was still one more milestone left for Tomlinson to reach. But then he was like, you're about to run for 400 yards. No one has ever run for 400 yards. I'm going to give you another carry. And so I got another carry, went over 400 yards, and ended with 406. So it was a great day. It was a day that put Tomlinson and TCU on the map. LT finished the 1999 season with over 2,000 all-purpose yards and 20 scores. A performance strong enough that the following year, Texas Christian University decided to make their star running back the face of the school and campaign for a Heisman Trophy. At the time, we were not a Power 5 program, so in order to get LT to New York, um, we knew that we had to really work at this. Uh, we knew that he would deserve to be there but that we would have to do, dot the I's and cross the T's and uh, do the right marketing campaign, do the right things with him personally around town, uh, with the media. Uh, he had a, uh, an article every week in the paper uh, about him and his mother. Whether it was his mom or his teammates, LT found a way to include others in his glory. Tackle David Bobo remembers just how much the community embraced the campaign. And seeing the, the bumper stickers and, you know, they sent out these little bitty CDs to, to the media and fans, you know, LT for Heisman, um, like a little DVD that, that people had. Um, you know, just seeing the billboards and the everything, it was just, a, it was amazing to see 
him, and they always seemed to include the big uglies, which I thought was really neat at the time, because, you know, we really had nothing to do with, you know, such a great, like, LT. You get held to a standard when you're when you're a candidate for the Heisman Trophy, and it's a high one, and, and you want your guys to live up to it. You want them, you know, if we're going to do this, LT, you got to do your part. And, I, you know, some days I knew as I was saying those kinds of things that, I was only reinforcing them because he already knew that that's what he had to do. It was fun. I mean, just a lot of fun to see that campaign, the way it took off. And it worked. In 2000, Tomlinson ran for over 2,100 yards and 22 scores. He earned a spot as a Heisman finalist and won the Doak Walker Award as the best running back in college football. It was through that process that his hero, Emmett Smith, became his mentor. You know, it was, it was now like a, a big brother Who's, who's proud of his little brother. And now it's about sharing advice on this next level, on how to be a professional. You know, and that was when Emmett, you know, gave me his number and, and, and gave me so much uh, valuable advice on how to be a professional, how to take care of my body, my money, you know, all the things that I needed to do to be successful at that next level. LT knew that Emmett Smith had the keys to becoming a great, so, of course, he soaked in every single word. You know, this is a, a superstar NFL player, and I'm just now entering the league. So I, I found myself a lot of times thinking like, man, I, I don't want to call him, man, and bother him as much. You know, but he would always tell me, man, you're not bothering me. You know, I appreciate when you, when you call me and I can share knowledge with you. And that was the great thing about Emmett because he, he really enjoyed sharing the knowledge with me. Just like Smith had left an impact on Tomlinson's life, LT left his mark on TCU, and especially his old coach. Well, you can summarize him in one word, and that would be class. Um, he was he was a class young man in every area. He t he took care of business. I never had any trouble. Never had any problems. His academics were never a worry. Uh, he, he was going to be there to practice early. For his former offensive tackle, what stands out is Tomlinson's selflessness as a teammate. I mean, he was always there, always willing to, you know, talk us up. And how often is your best player willing to put you in, in front of himself? You know, he was always willing to put us in the media. And as an offensive lineman, you're normally the guy in the back nobody talks to, nobody wants to see. And LaDainian always put us up front. And for his running mate, it's the unbreakable bond they forged during their time together. Man, now that's my brother, man. That's a brother. You know, that's, that's family. He, he elevate, elevated everybody. He made you coach better. He made you, uh, your teammates want to play harder. You could just see that everybody had a love for him, man. It was, you know, it's like, you just got, you know, you just feel like, man, he, he's, he's 100. He's a 100 guy with you. And once LT had left school, it was clear TCU football mattered once again. The town started to build. You could tell they started to, the fan base started to come back. The, the town started to come back. They, not that they'd ever given up on us, they just weren't filling the stands. And then by that next year, with LT's Heisman campaign, with everything around him, it, it started to bring the city back to TCU. And and it was fun. I mean, really fun that that kind of his success laid the groundwork for who we are today. 
One more thing of note happened to LT during the twilight of his college career. Being a Heisman candidate put Tomlinson in the same room as other top college players and NFL prospects, including a talented six-foot quarterback out of Purdue. We're up at this for the same award, like we're in a, uh, the the college football award show, and here's Drew. And again, we we talk and converse and talk about old times in high school. And the one thing we said was, man, how crazy is this? You know, both of us wasn't heavily recruited in Texas, and now we're one of the top guys in the country in in, um, in college. And then the next conversation was man, wouldn't it be great to play together at the next level, you know? And ironically, that ended up happening. This has been an L.A. Chargers production. Next up on Running for History, we take a deep dive into the 2001 NFL Draft and explore just how LaDainian Tomlinson landed with the Chargers. You can play on the NFL level, that you're going to be a great player. Now they need to see how fast you are. Uh, and he said, I can't guarantee this either, but I think he could be something special for the Chargers uh, for the future. And we talked a little bit more, and I said, look, if you really feel that's the right thing to do, let's do it. I'm like, what? I said, why would they do that? Like, man, you're crazy. He said, I'm telling you, we've been, we've been on the phone all day. My agent told me, you know, we can't get a deal done. And he said at that time, the GM, the late John Butler said to his agent, if we can't get a deal done with you, Vic, then we're going to trade the pick and we're going to draft LaDainian Tomlinson. 